it's recording here? It sure does. Amazing. So I'm going to start us off. First, we're here not only with Allie Harn, but also with Michelle Niederman, but also with Max Rodman. Now, Michelle, thank you, thank, you, thank, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for coming back, especially under such circumstances. Yeah, such circumstances are dire. Um, do you want to start us off? Yes. Yeah, so I want to start us off. I just wanted to provide a little background and a little anecdote to like the topic of today's conversation. So we were, us three were up in Bend, home of the Bend Outs, minor league baseball team, a few months ago. And we were there with our great fan, our great friend, Aaron, Aaron, Max's very good friend. And co-host of their fabulous podcast. Amazing podcast called The Golden Path. All about gene keys, which I hope we talk about one day. For sure. We have Um, to. Yeah. But anyway, so Aaron has done a lot of drugs. But Aaron... Medicines. Right. Not drugs. They're medicines. And this has been, I feel like, a recurring joke. It's like, no, it's not a drug. It's a medicine. And then, like, a few weeks later, Max and I went to a party where we ate a little bit of mushrooms. And Max said how meditation is like brushing your teeth. And then mushrooms are like going to the dentist and getting a cleaning. Spiritually. So then... We were talking about, Allie, that, like, w- the connection to the divine. Right. What is I was it? saying that, like, the body needs exercise um, and, you know, the mind needs reading, let's say, and, and the soul needs connection to the divine, which can come vis-a-vis art, engagement with art, creating art, or through drugs. But, like, a healthy soul needs a connection to the divine. Right. And then you were like... Let's use this as a prompt and write an essay. And I was like, I'm not doing homework. <laughs> I wanted to write a joint essay. Right. <laughs> I still, still stand behind it. But then, like, like I, and Michelle totally well, dismissed it. I totally said, fuck you, I'm not getting homework. Meanwhile, thinks about it nonstop for the next <laughs> seven days. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Even then I, I completely stopped thinking about it because I was told that's a terrible idea. <laughs> right. And then I go and brush my teeth. And while I'm brushing my teeth, I'm like thinking of my, like, what I'm going to do in my head. Like, you know what my writing assignment's gonna be mm-hmm. and I just start like writing in my head and then I didn't write any of it down obviously like we always do and then I told you that I was writing in my head and they were like come on write it down so obviously it's not done but I'm gonna read some of it right now to start us off yes I'm so glad you wrote it down okay so it's called drug or medicine by Michelle Nagerman by Michelle Nagerman one to two glasses of red wine is medicine One to two glasses of white wine or beer is a refreshment. Three plus glasses of wine or beer is a drug. One cocktail is an art project. Two plus cocktails is a drug. If you're in a year before 1930, an entire bottle of whiskey is medicine. If you have PTSD, MDMA is medicine. If you take Molly and tell your boyfriend you love him for the first time, MDMA is a drug. Adderall is a drug. If you're a child, Adderall is abuse. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) LSD at a party is a drug. LSD in nature is medicine. If you eat mushrooms and hate yourself, it's a drug. If you eat mushrooms and love yourself, it's medicine. If you snort ketamine, it's a drug. If If you suck on a ketamine lozenge at a meditation clinic in Venice Beach, it's medicine. Oh my god. I literally had to stop myself from like guffawing in the middle because it was so fucking funny. And it's so good. I mean, Penguin Random House calling publish this woman immediately. (laughs) But the point of that is to really bring us to that last point about the ketamine. Yes, which is why Max Grodnick is here. Max went to a meditation clinic last night and did ketamine meditation therapy, question mark? We didn't get much information because we were saving it. All we said was we're going to record with Max after he does it. That's right. And we are so excited because Michelle, neither Michelle nor I have ever done ketamine. That's right. 
And so that we're coming at this totally having never done it. Right. And, like, what would you say? And also, Max, this was his first time doing ketamine. I'm sorry to speak on behalf of you. It's okay. But I yeah. just wanted to put that out there. What was your guys' perception of ketamine before this is what I want to know? Horse tranquilizer? Right. Right, right. Dissociative. I knew someone who made ketamine in the microwave back in Brooklyn. I would go to the party. Everyone's like, I'm sober off of alcohol, but I'm doing ketamine off of this microwaved plate. What? I knew someone who, like, sold ketamine. And I was just, oh, and I knew someone who was addicted or, like, who I was told was addicted to IV drip ketamine, like, 15 years ago. And I, it was the first I had ever heard of it. So because that was my first introduction to the notion of ketamine, I was always like, and then the idea of K-holing. K-hole, that's mm. what I've heard, K-hole. Right, it just sounds, and, and someone, as someone who does not, who has had sort of like a colorful history with dissociation, Michelle and I did write a book called Everyone Dissociates. Mm-hmm. Like, I, hearing that ketamine is a dissociative made me be like, oh, no, 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 no. I do not want to lose my mind. Yeah. Because I always felt out of my mind when I was associating mm-hmm. but I mean that is literally what dissociation is you're out of your mind right? right but I'm a totally different person now and I do love I will say I love LSD and I'm interested in other psychedelics so I'm open to but is ketamine a psychedelic is ketamine a psychedelic Max I'd say no Okay. I'm no expert though, but I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, it's, I don't believe it is. And and does it naturally occur in nature? No. So I don't know anything about ketamine. I guess I you know had my first experience with it with it yesterday. I very quickly did some Wikipedia research right before this podcast, there you would. and I did see in there that it's synthetic. I think it was first manufactured in the early '60s. So it is a synthetic compound. You asked before, like, what did we know? What did I know about ketamine? And I always knew it was horse tranquilizer. And that was, like, pretty... I was like, okay, cool, horse tranquilizer. Like, why would I ever take that? And then it's, like, a white powdery substance that, like, people use as a party drug. Like, okay, but it's fucking horse tranquilizer. Mm -hmm. And then I started realizing, like, what is horse tranquilizer? Like, ketamine is not horse tranquilizer. Like, ketamine is a chemical compound. Like... They, I guess they use it to tranquilize horses, but like that's not what it is. Right. Got it. Got it. So, one of the many uses of ketamine is horse tranquilization. That's A right. new use of ketamine is depression and PTSD and therapy, would you say? Yeah, I don't even know if it's that new of a use. I think that's... So, ketamine is legal. Um, it has been legal always i don't think it was ever like oh, really? classified as a schedule or whatever legal? well i mean i think like it can be prescribed by doctors to patients okay who need it you know obviously you can abuse drugs if you're buying them buying you know powdered ketamine for the club on the black market like i'm sure that's illegal but administering ketamine is legal now i don't know all the you know, red tape and, you know, such and such around it and who can prescribe it and under what circumstances. But, like, it is different than some of the other drugs that, you know, like psilocybin, for example, that there, you know, seems like there's a change coming and there's going to be more avenues available for people to use those substances in a therapeutic setting. But ketamine has, like, always been available to be used in that way. Mm. And, and remind me, had you ever done ketamine before last night? No, I'd never done it before. Wasn't particularly interested in it. Um, just kind of what the, you know, the things I'd heard, the horse tranquilizer, the K-hole, didn't really sound like that much of a good time. I personally like stimulants and psychedelics, and this sounded like not a psychedelic and quite the depressant. So that wasn't really my bag. Um, but then learning about its use in therapy, which is becoming in vogue, there's a lot of ketamine uh, clinics popping up, particularly out here in Southern California. I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. I've never taken drugs before in a formal therapeutic setting, you know, in, like that. And I was like, oh, that sounds to me like it would be an interesting way to take ketamine. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had this thought, like, oh, I would totally be open to that, and pretty much left it at that. 
and then this week, all the synchronicities started lining up. On Tuesday, my friend Jesse shared an article in Wired Magazine that featured an amazing quote from Dr. Will Sue that basically was saying, it's talking about, you know, the, the burgeoning, uh, you know, psychedelic uh, industry that, that may be emerging here as, as, you know, legislation and regulations are changing. Um, and there's a lot of like tech, you know, VC investment money getting into this space. And, you know, it's going to be, you know, capitalism is, you know, trying to do psychedelics. Right. In you know a formalized way that right. we can we can make money on, mm-hmm. and there was a great quote from Dr. Sue, basically saying like, it's really important that people are free to use these substances as they see fit. Like you shouldn't have to you know fit into these boxes and like go to a special clinic and work with a therapist to to do this work. Like you know we should all be free to be able to experiment with these substances, and I was like that is a beautiful idea. As it's an industry that's becoming industried and regulated. Um, so I was like, all right, yeah, cool, fuck yeah, this article is kind of interesting. And then the next day, I was at Superba getting a cup of coffee, and who do I see? Dr. Will Sue. And I was like, oh, all right. Clearly, there's something going on here that's, you know. I'm sorry, you saw him in person. Yes. How did you him? I follow him on Instagram. He's a legend. Oh. Yeah, I highly recommend Dr. Will Sue. Oh, I Yeah, he's great. Him. He's great. He's like went to Harvard and Oxford. He's got like, you know, the, the creme de la creme. Off of the, the chart IQ. No, just like, but he's like, the you know, he's, he's got the accreditation of the establishment and God. the academy. You know, he's, <laughs> he's a doctor, you know, from the greatest institutions. And oh, he's done a lot of his own okay. experimentation with psychedelics. And he's like a huge advocate for them for personal healing and self-transformation and doing it in a safe but disruptive way being like you don't need to do this within the confines of you know uh you know industrial medicine right and so like that is so radical i love all the fucking doctors out there who like go through the formal training of medical school and you know being a part of the academy and all that and then are like yeah there's so much more going on with life than is being honored in these spaces and like I want to recognize that. So I see Dr. Sue as like a young leader in that space. So I was very stoked to see him at Superba and I said hello and, and let him know that uh, he should keep shining his light because he's doing amazing work. And what did he say? Thank you. And what did he um, order? I think he was drinking a cappuccino. Mm, good to know yeah. he drinks the caffeine. Love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, later that day, I texted my friend Skyler and was like, hey, you want to get tacos tomorrow night? And he was like, oh, actually, I'm busy tomorrow night. I'm going to do ketamine-assisted therapy guided meditation at somebody's house in Venice. Would you like to come with me? And I was like, okay, of course I would. That's, you know, sign from the universe number two. So I didn't really know what we were getting into and neither did Skylar. And so we, we showed up and we walked into the offices of a burgeoning tech startup that wants to get into the, the ketamine, you know, personal transfer, you know, using ketamine for healing and therapy and personal transformation. And we were there guinea pigs in a, a beta test of their new product, ketamine. <laughs> <laughs> so... The way that uh, the folks over there at um, WonderMed are doing it is with um, an 100 milligram lozenge of ketamine that you take along with a guided meditation. No, stop. Stop. Okay, <laughs> ask the questions. You, we need to. Okay, you. I, I need. We need to back it up, and we need to walk through this door with you. Yeah. Got like it. so, you walk through the door with Skylar. Yeah, you're not holding hands, I assume. We weren't. No. <laughs> you're in Venice Beach. Well, we're in Venice Beach. And you're in Venice Beach, right? And you're walking into a tech startup office. It was in a house. In a house. Yes. That's also a tech startup office. It was a house, and then we get in there, and they're like, "Oh, this is our office." And it was like, "Oh, that's why you have a mini fridge felt filled with, you know, ketamine lozenges. No, like pressed <laughs> juices oh. and fucking <laughs> every flavor flavor of LaCroix. Like, okay, yeah. okay." And the person who was leading it 
Um, you know, there was like four employees from the company. Were they like all young? Was it yeah, mixed? all young. What were they wearing? Women and men. Um. Yeah, what were they wearing? I mean, Different regular clothes? Regular clothes. No, like, you know, regular fantasy clothes. Yeah, I don't know. Nothing clothes, that, like, like, nothing that, like, jumped out at me. It's like, oh, oh, weird. Very normal, professional. Was the founder there? Uh, unclear. Unclear, unclear. Okay. Um, and there were, didn't seem to be, like, one person leading the meditation because they put on a recording of... Um, a guided meditation. Nobody like in the room did the guided mm-hmm. meditation. Mm-hmm. Got it. I have got a question about the guided meditation, but I do want to know. So you're with nine other people. Yeah, I think there were nine of us who were participating. And who 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 was the clientele? It was all like uh, people around our age. I would say like late twenties, thirties. Did you do any icebreakers? No, there were no icebreakers. I mean, obviously, like you walk into that setting, everybody knows what they're getting into. So people are friendly and and kind. And, you know, we, you know, said hello and exchanged names and, you know, did some small talk. Got there it. was a cheese board. Um, <laughs> there was a cheese board. So, yeah. you know, it's an official event. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But there was, there was no icebreakers. There was nothing to like create a particular sense of community amongst the group because ultimately it was a personal experience. Okay. So you didn't um, think that was necessary? No. Okay. And did these employees, did they like establish like what, what, why you guys are here for them like are you guys beta testing this or are you guys just using their services yeah it was kind of it was like a, the first time they were doing an event like this and yeah we were kind of yeah giving them feedback on the process ultimately their model is not around hosting events or doing in-person sessions their model is enabling people to do this work at home and then providing the you know the content and the framework to do integration. So they're like big on telemedicine. So you'll be able to you know over your phone you know FaceTime with a, a therapist and you know do some work beforehand. And then um, I think they're like you know giving you eight lozenges. So it's like you would do this you would do this ketamine meditation eight times. And do integration and meditation, you know. When you say integration, what do you, what do you mean? Yeah, great question. Integration is like the key to, I think, you know, processing and like learning and taking in everything like that you discover and uncover during a, you know, psychedelic experience. You know, we'll just call it that for now. Um, and so spiritual it's, experience. yeah, spiritual experience, you know, but also therapy, you know, it's like, Transformative okay, experience. Tr- sure. So it's like you, but anyway, you, integrating you have, it it's integrating it into your life. So you had this experience, right. like this thing happened. And then instead of it just lingering and you're left to f- decipher and figure out. And as the days go by, you're like, what the hell happened? Like, right. And you're just and, back and to your regular They're there to be like, what came up? What, is, what do you think this is? Like. You know, and it's it's in the days and weeks and months afterwards that you can, you know, kind of continue to draw from that well and that experience to actually make change in your life. Mm-hmm. So that integration work is super important. Right. And that is the space that, like, hasn't really existed in psychedelics because there has been, it's all been done in the shadows. Yeah. And people have, right. you know, been by necessity had to do this work alone or with friends but there has been very little guidance in the way. So I think many people have had very profound psychedelic experiences and then not really known how to integrate it. How to integrate it. And, and you know how pharmaceutical, your, your, pharm, your pharmacist, your doctor is going to prescribe you like something to take once a day with food for a month. You said they, the, the idea is that, you know, eight, they give you eight lozenges. Is yeah. that expected to do once a week? For eight weeks, I don't know, and then reevaluate. I, I, Their it couldn't possibly kind of get you hooked on ketamine. Absolutely right? not. Um, and I think the program is like six months over the course of the whole thing, and that it wouldn't last any longer than that. And so they do see it as kind of a specialized treatment. Um, and you know, well, I'll just jump ahead. I feel like you want to like hold things back as we're unpeeling the onion here, but I would say like. I think it could be really helpful if there's something specific that you want to or need to work through or if you right. experience something traumatic that this could be a really good tool 
in the therapy work that you're doing? Well, that's what I wanted to ask. Like, who is the ideal person for this work? All of us. Is that so? I think so. I mean, we all have healing that we need to right. do. Like, as long as you're we've all. Yeah, of course, process. right. I mean, well, and somebody who's willing to do the work, who is able to set the intention, but like ketamine is a tool that like makes it easier for lots of people because of course you don't need to take any drugs to do the work. Right. Yeah. But they can make it easier and I think in particular if you've experienced things that are very traumatic mm-hmm. and very disruptive, it can make it easier to confront those things and deal with them and try to process them so let's get into what you what the ketamine made made you feel because i feel like that's like the question here it's like what does it do to you and yeah like and how like going off what you just said how is it do you think in in your experience of it like how does it help someone to look at that trauma right so the way it makes you feel is you don't feel your emotions at least is what I was kind of feeling. And so that can be quite dangerous, but also like, I think that's kind of where the value is. And that oftentimes having to think about or, you know, go back and re-experience something traumatic is going to be very painful and is going to bring up all these uncomfortable emotions, Mm -hmm. which is so much of why we avoid dealing with these things because mm-hmm. the emotions are very uncomfortable mm-hmm. but because ketamine is an anesthetic and a dissociative mm-hmm. you basically it is numbing you completely so you're not feeling any emotions oh wow now that said there was still like in some ways i i still felt like i was experiencing emotion i just wasn't feeling the feelings that are associated with that emotion wow. mm-hmm. so you're just not feeling the feelings of the emotion so you could be like oh i'm I'm actually really sad. But in having that realization, you wouldn't be overwashed with the feeling of sadness. You would just be recognizing that, like, I'm actually quite sad. Wow. This makes so much sense because so many people, I feel, I'm like myself included, like, we all have trauma and it's like, you get stuck in it because it's so uncomfortable to deal with and it's impossible to look at your situation from a third party's perspective right. like you know it's so easy for us to diagnose everybody else right because right. like we don't fucking feel their feelings right. and it makes sense that like that could be the key to working through anything that makes you uncomfortable by just taking out the emotion out of it for a moment for you to reflect and then when it all comes back you can then integrate what you learned um through that like more third party outsider view analysis that like is now internalized within you well said yeah so as i see it it's like it allows you to process and peel back the layers on the trauma so it's like not just the recognizing it but like you're able to sit with it Mm -hmm. for longer because it's not uncomfortable to do that because Mm -hmm. you're not feeling the feelings of the emotions um so that's why I think it is a tremendous tool for people to do that work because so much of what we're doing is avoiding feeling uncomfortable and feeling pain. Yeah. And you're right. not going to, it's not going to feel painful so when what you're did, thinking about these things on ketamine. What did they tell you to do before, like, take us now through, like, the process? Like, you all sat down on your yoga mats. Yep. And then they said, okay, passing out the lozenge. So they did yep. the lights. Yep. Okay. Music. Were, you guys there? <laughs> <laughs> were there? Were there? Um. Yeah. Was there music? There was or, music. Was in, yeah. Like, so yeah, I mean, just like any um, like incense, any smells. No, there was no incense. There could have been. I don't know. There should have been. Just there should have been maybe. Forty. Um. Yeah. But yeah, you know, <laughs> there was like sensor. meditative music playing. Basically, what they did is we sat down. You take the lozenge. You put it in your mouth. And you're, you absorb it like through your you know, cheek membrane. And so just kind of sitting there as you're right. absorbing it. And like the, the on. The saliva thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they said like don't swallow your saliva. Like let your saliva just like build up in your mouth. Because that's going to help the more ketamine. You know, help absorbed. it release and get absorbed and whatever. And, and that, that was, you know, a little tricky. But. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't hard to not swallow it. It was more like. 
But then when do I swallow it? Right. Like, how does this work? Like, Same with acid, though. It's like when I'm like, I want to chew on the cardboard tab in my mouth. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but know? like, yeah, but I don't know. Well, we don't need to get into that. Um, so it started with a 15-minute guided meditation from somebody from, drum roll please, Joe Dispenza's team. Oh so he did like God. a little 15-minute Joe Dispenza meditation. Yeah, you know, big okay. breaths, holding it at the top, big <gasps> release. So, like, you know, just, like, really getting in line with the breathing, getting ready for the meditation. And, and then the lozenge in your and the mouth. the lozenges in your mouth. Okay. I immediately lied, like, went to lie down and, like, get in Shavasana because I was like, that's totally how I'm rocking this. And the woman came over and she was like, no, 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 like, sit up for the beginning, like, until you, um, you know, take the lozenge. Like, don't. You don't want to lie down. Wait, but I thought the lozenge was in your mouth already. It was in my mouth already, but she was like, you don't, she's like, because she's just like, she you just will, you'll you be, choke? I don't think it was about choking. It's just like, you'll be more, it'll be more uncomfortable. And like, it could be nauseating. The lozenge did not taste great. So like. Describe closest thing it tasted like. Like yeah. medicine. Which but like I I don't know I don't yeah, know like I don't know cherry yeah medicine. I don't yeah. yeah like that yeah like cherry medicine like I don't know my medicine well enough was it like a well ludens <laughs> uh like a bad yeah yeah, yeah it's like a bad ludens like a rotten ludens it wasn't rotten like it was a just like literally from fourth grade when you would bring those to school and like in your backpack right, right. yes exactly like that um and then after the fifteen minute meditation then like there was no more guide and it was just ambient music and 50 minutes of lying on the back eyes closed closed. I mean you could do whatever you want but they didn't Um, say to you any um, like preamble they didn't give you a spiel yeah they said like think of an intention write down your intention and then afterwards and like notice your just basically notice your thoughts you know, just observe your, you know, what comes up. Just notice that, recognize it. I mean, effectively, it was just basic meditation. I don't know if everybody in the room, like, meditates at all or has a meditation practice. I know that Skylar doesn't meditate. Like, I don't think um, his friend Meredith meditates. I'm sure, you know, a bunch of people there did not meditate. There was a couple people in there who they sure as hell looked like they meditated, you know. <laughs> so it's probably a mixed bag. Um, but it was basically they were just like describing meditation to you, just like lie there and nothing about trauma, nothing about memories or emotions, nothing like that. No, nope. I mean I they like kind of they kind of yeah they kind of leave it right, and they kind of leave it up to you. And totally, I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean I think also because these are people who like volunteered to do this, like I you know I don't know if these are people who like are in dire need of this treatment right you know maybe people who are more like oh so there's but you said everyone free. can benefit well absolutely i think everybody can benefit but like doesn't mean that we you know i think there are certain people who like have something very specific that they know they want to deal with and then there's lots of people who are like there's always things that i could be improving on but i'm not exactly sure what that's going to be and so in some ways you like lie there and you and you see what comes up hmm Okay. So far, so so there's no so the effect with the ketamine is now so okay. You take the ketamine lozenge. Yeah. You lie back. Yeah. What's the first thing you feel in your body? I mean, it really isn't all that different than meditation. Were you nervous at all at any point? Yeah. I mean, you know, like a new drug experience. There's like a little bit of nerve. There's also just like uncertainty. Like I don't know what it's gonna what's gonna happen. Right. Or what it's going to feel like. Right. Um, and, you know, it like, it felt cool. Like, it was just like, I felt like high. Like, Did you feel like your consciousness was expanding or no? Yes. Yeah, because it definitely like felt like I was on drugs. I didn't, but I, I didn't feel like I was having like a clear like out of body experience. But it felt very similar to meditation. Like, it just didn't feel all like... It wasn't like a whole new space that I'd never explored in before. It just felt like a deeper meditation where, like, I was, I was just like, oh, I'm not feeling the like emotions, you know, coursing through my body in the same way. Yeah, very kind of serene, peaceful. um, Yeah. So I feel like when I'm meditating, my inner monologue is still going. 
Um, but I, like, need to, like, remember to, like, step back and witness that, you know? Right. Was your inner monologue not going? Was your mind not racing? Because... My mind wasn't racing, but my inner monologue was absolutely going. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, it was less of a meditation for that reason. Like, I wasn't, like, there was no mantra. I wasn't, like, focusing on my breath. Mm -hmm. Like, my mind was going. Like, my inner monologue was going. Like, very much a lot of it was, like what is going like what am i experiencing like what is happening one of the first feelings that i had was just like as the drug was coming out was just like euphoria that like this is happening yeah that, like here i am like there's a group of people who are like starting an organization and a business to help people heal and like provide this transformative experience for yeah. other humans and like here i am in like the first cohort of you know nine people beta testing this product like we're out here in venice beach and like you know just feeling like okay cool this like there is a psychedelic revolution that is happening and you know there was a psychedelic revolution that happened in the 60s and it that happened and that completely changed the world and then it kind of you know got shut down right. richard nixon got scared and um it, you know psychedelics have have still been you know, in culture and society and have been making an impact, but not in a, in the mainstream and direct and, and overt way. And now we're at the very precipice of like, you know, I think when psychedelics first came onto the scene in the fifties and sixties in the West, at least people were very excited by the potential and the possibility. Um, and then, you know, a lot of that, you know, excitement was kind of lost and, and, you know, the vision of the future where, you know, we can, people can heal themselves and, um, and each other, you know, I think that, that kind of fell by the wayside, but it really just kind of went dormant for about 50 years. And like, now it's happening, like it's coming back and the, you know, the laws and the legislations are changing and, you know, we're at the very, very beginning here, but you know, I, I don't think this time around there's going to be uh, you know, a Richard, a, a Richard Nixon or a huge backlash that, right. that puts this thing back into the underground. Right. So I think now this is really going to flourish and it'll, it'll take a different route and road. But like, I think the, you know, we're at the, you know, we're 20% through this deck, this century. And like the next 80 years are just going to be extraordinary as far as, you know, our ability to, um, explore, explore consciousness. Yeah. So you felt euphoria because of all that? Yes. Cool. And then what? Um, and then I was kind of like, okay, like, what am I doing here? Like, what, you know. Guess I'm meditating for. Right, like, am I meditating? Like, you Did know. Did you have, like, butterflies? No, no butterflies. But, so a wave of euphoria. Yeah. That you were, are hesitant to even attribute to the ketamine? No, no, it was definitely from the ketamine. Like, okay. I was like, I was high on drugs. Euphorically. Well, again, but like, it just, it's a different, like, you like, it's like a muted euphoria. And, um, but yeah, I was like, I was stoked on being on ketamine in this room right. with these people. Like, yeah. yeah, that was, that had me very excited. Mm -hmm. And then did you start to think about like yourself at all? Yeah, so then I was like, okay, like, so, you know, I have my own trauma. So I was like, all right, like, let's go uh, over there and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, I kind of want to get into it of, like, my own trauma. So I feel like I healed myself in a similar way without ketamine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, through meditation and, like, very much specifically, like, uh, shavasana, lying on your back style of meditation, like, was able to kind of gain that somewhat objective perspective where I could see my own pain and trauma in, um, in a, you know, in a, in a more like objective and, and empathetic way. And so I had this particular experience like in March of 2020, right when uh, the rest of the world was shutting down and I was in the desert and, um, I was meditating and I, I guess I'd smoked a little marijuana and I was like very relaxed and I was like, oh, like what's, you know, so specifically I was like, what's going to come forward? And, um, 
the you know immediately like the box of uh, repressed pain around uh, my complicated relationship with my brother came forward and I was like of course like what else would it possibly be and um, I guess I should add to this story that um, we were, I was planning to eat mushrooms with my friends the next day and so I was kind of asked myself if I'm in a similar position tomorrow where I'm like lying down and super chilled out and like very open-minded like what would come forth to fill that void and that was what you know brought this uh, you know box of repressed uh, pain forward and I kind of laughed of course that would be what comes up and then I was like okay like if this happens tomorrow like then maybe I think yeah I would be willing to open it up and see what's in there and in that moment alone like the box opened up and it was like actually you were abused like you had a really fucked up relationship there was like a lot of pain there and I just never I mean I knew there was a lot of pain there I knew that there was um I just had never put it in that language before of like abuse and and so then I was able to be like oh yeah like I've always told myself these stories to try to normalize my experience and my pain and realizing like no this was unique and there was you know deep um, deep trauma that was that I was experiencing because my sister was experiencing tremendous trauma as a small child and um, so the, the backstory for those who don't know is um, my sister was adopted on the day that she was born and then I was born like three years later and you know just was a, my sister was just a very um, unhappy child and she you know inflicted a lot of the pain that she was feeling onto me and I like just you know as I got older just was like Kind of repressed all of this and it took me many years until I was 29 to finally be like oh I see I can see what's happening now and what's happening is that my sister is experiencing or was experiencing deep deep pain like you know toxic trauma that she did not know what to do with like could not hold on to and in order to try to make herself feel better she had to like let go of this pain somehow and that involved sharing it with me often through the form of physical abuse and I realized in this moment that like it was twofold it was like one she literally couldn't hold on to this toxic pain and two she was a small child trying to like articulate how she was feeling inside but was totally incapable and unable and didn't understand what was going on and so her way of sharing how she was feeling was by hurting me to kind of be like this is how I feel like feel this pain this is what I'm feeling and she was able to express that not with words and of course we were both such small children like we didn't understand what the hell was happening and there's a lot of pain you know over pretty much my entire childhood dealing with that and only through meditation was I able to finally gain this like perspective where I could just you know I wasn't seeing it, like I was seeing it from outside of myself and from a place of like just empathy and realizing like oh my goodness like I was hurt but my sister was really hurting mm -hmm. and she was trying her best to heal herself and I was collateral damage and like it wasn't personal um, so I could imagine that I avoided I like knew that there was pain there but I avoided feeling it for so long because I had been hurt and it's uncomfortable and so you're just like I'm not gonna do that so I could imagine that like I, in my case I didn't need to ketamine but I absolutely needed meditation to yeah. equip me with the tool set to be able to get to the place that I could recognize these things within myself and heal myself. Mm -hmm. But I could totally see how ketamine could be really helpful because it'd be like, okay, I can actually go back and remember these things and feel these things mm -hmm. and address all of this pain because it isn't going to hurt me. So I kind of said to myself, I was like, okay, like, let's go check out, you know, I, I, um, I stored so much of the pain in my upper back. So like Wait, I, so so are I we feel, back in the room now at the meditation clinic yet or no? Yeah, we're getting back in there. I'm just okay. giving that context. So Got like it. that's kind of where I keep this pain. So I was like, 
now I'm back in the room in the, you know, yesterday at the, at the you know, ketamine therapy session. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, let me go over there and see what it's like on ketamine. To also, your back? To my back. Well, like, to my back to, like, to my pain. Like, let me go to my pain. Right. And kind of being like, I really feel like you, you've done a really good job over these last uh, almost two years of, like, dealing with that, healing, like, Pro, I mean, processing the pain for so long, I you know was literally carrying around decades worth of uh, you know the pain that I'd never processed, and so like part of the healing process is literally feeling that pain, processing it. One of the amazing things you learn is that like it just ain't nearly as bad as you think it's going to be, and it you know uh, Sam Harris says all the time like the half life of a negative emotion is surprisingly short. Yeah. Like, you know, you you feel the uncomfortable, painful emotions, and like it just doesn't last that long. Like it was just. I mean, it's what had to happen, but like it, it was unnecessary in some degree to avoid feeling this feeling for 20 years when actually feeling the feeling took a few minutes. Yeah, it won't kill you. It definitely <laughs> won't kill you, yeah. So I like went back there and I was kind of like checking in and um, I was like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's somewhat distorted because you can't exactly feel the pain, but I was kind of like, yeah, like, okay, like I don't feel like there's that much in here that I still need to excavate. I don't know if there's that many doors and spaces that I haven't dealt with because like I've been I've been dealing with this. But I was like, there's this one part of me that's still like, you know, I tell the story like in some ways that I'm a victim, that like I was abused. And yet like there's a part of me that's still like, I also hurt my sister. Like she would hurt me and I would hurt her back. Like, you know, she would beat me up and like I would say mean things to her mm-hmm. to retaliate. And so there's a part of me of like, well, like, you know, it's a two way street here. Like it was a, you know, there was, it was a toxic relationship both ways. And so I was kind of like, okay, like, let me think on that a little bit because, you know, I, I think in a lot of my healing, like I absolved my, you know, my own role in everything that happened. And last night I was just kind of like, yeah, like I forgive you. Like you're forgiven, you know, like, yeah, you, you know, you made mistakes, but like, you you were you were truly retaliating like you didn't you didn't make the first blow like that's not where the pain started and then I was like where did the pain start and I'm you know my sister tells me or used to tell me all the time that like you know the pain started when I was born and like everything was fine until I showed up but I know that that's just not true like the pain started when my sister was given up for adoption and that is such a you know a deep core wound like that's that's where it's at that's that first traumatic experience of my sister's life and you know that's the origin of of my own pain and trauma and so then I was thinking yesterday I was like where did that come from like why was my sister put up for adoption and the story that I've always heard and and is true is that um, my sister's biological parents um, they already had two children but her biological father was really sick at the time, and they just felt like it was too much going on to, to, to have another child. And so they thought the best thing was to, you know, put my sister up for adoption. And I was thinking last night, I was like, what type of world and society makes it so that's the best option? I don't think, I don't think that, like, my um, sister's biological parents made the wrong decision but like what types of circumstances are like yeah the best thing to do when it's too much to care for your own child is to put them up for adoption and give them to a family my sister was born in Iowa to give them to a family in New York City and I was like that is the pain of the world like we live in a society that has pushed us away you know just you know from our extended families right like we should be living in a world where like you're you are tied to your you know your whole family network so it's like you know mom and dad we can't take care of this kid right now grandma grandpa come help us out uncle sister neighbor brother like the community can care for a child but we have we have changed the world so radically that like we don't have those types of communities that can step in in that moment and then i was just like damn okay like what happened in the world that we changed things so much that it's like two parents can't take care of their child then like they're, they're not even being supported. Right. And so I was just thinking of like the, you know, the whole fucking all of the pain of the world over the last 
many hundred years is what caused that at that moment they were like, we have to give this child away. And so I was able to like go into that space, which I'd never really explored before. Um, so I was, I was hanging out over there a little bit like last the night. the pain behind the pain behind the pain. Totally, because right. that's like, yeah, that's, you know, that's the origin of my pain, you know. Behind your pain is your sister's pain. Behind your sister's pain is your parents' pain. Behind your par- her parents' pain is... Their family's pain, the and, pain of, and the pain of, of a, indigenous people being slaughtered and like right like annihilation right, all of, of those like things the yeah family into like the nuclear family I mean there's so there's there's it, so it so off. much and I just think it's like okay cool like that part of that pain that's all over the world now that is like come here with me like the part that made it to me like it stops here hmm. like I'm not passing on this trauma to anybody. Oh. That's all I feel like we can do as individuals is just be like, recognize the trauma that we inherited and end that. Mm-hmm. Be like, cool, it stops here. Like it lived, it had a really long run. And as far as I can control it, like it's over now. I'm not sharing my trauma right. with anybody else anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the story of like the way like when, when you and your sibling were little and like that description of this is how I'm feeling inside and I can't hold it. So I'm going to push it on to you. Like that is how we end up passing on pain completely i'm gonna feel it for myself and process it so that i don't do that right i fucking love that yeah i mean that's that's what i'm trying to do at least that's amazing thank you for sharing that yeah Yeah, thank you guys for hosting such an amazing podcast where i can do that of course and so that's interesting because i feel like so obviously you've had this kind of realization before um with like you know this trauma in your life so i guess it kind of makes sense that like you know, eight sessions, it's like first, like in the first session, like you realize, you know, the trauma. Right. Right. Totally. The second session, like maybe you work through a specific memory in that trauma. I don't know. And then it's like, then you go past and you say, okay, where does that come from? And like where you're at is like super advanced, like working through your trauma by like expanding it into like, okay, what does it mean past, present, future for everybody else? So I do see how it do you feel like it was a it was like a healthy experience and that helped helped you work through something? Yeah, but also it would be like meditation. Meditation's where it's at, and like you don't need to do drugs to to get there. Right. Um, but I but see the drugs it, get you there. Yeah, well, they're great. Listen, not everyone can meditate so easily. A lot of people, right. you know, have really intense traumas, and I think it's an amazing tool to. to well, I think people. that's exactly. Right. I think there's a lot of people who have really intense trauma and really deep pain, where it's like it's, meditation isn't going to help because it, it's too painful right. to go there. So that's where ketamine can be helpful. Of like, it's going to be not as painful to go there, and also like because trauma is stored in our bodies. Like, our bodies can, like, tense up and clench up and, like, you know, make it difficult to access the the pain, right? Like, in order to get there, like, we have to relax. Like, you know, when our bodies are tight, then, like, it's way harder to, to access where where the trauma is. And that's where ketamine is great, too, because, like, your body is pretty fucking, you know, horse tranquilized. Yeah. yeah. Super relaxed. So you're, like, way less likely to be like, oh, my God, like, my back is acting up right now because we're, like, going into the fucking trauma zone. Right. Okay, a few things. So you said, like, you don't need drugs. Like, I actually I kind of disagree in the sense where, so the first time you realized, like, you had your moment, yeah. you were in the middle of nowhere in the desert. Right. Smoked you, smoked, you smoked weed. Right. So it's like, whether it's drugs or whether it's traveling somewhere, you need to separate from your everyday life in right. order to break the seal. I don't think you need drugs and a new experience in order to keep working on it after that point. Right. But for so many people, it's breaking the seal. Yeah. Right. And like that separation is needed, whether it's going to the middle of nowhere or it's doing ketamine in a room, you know, in right. someone's house. Like it kind of, it kind of is pretty, it's necessary. Like yeah, it's, it's you're, a necessary you're right. medicine. That's a good point. And, like, to keep working on it, and that's the point of integration, I think, is, like, being able to then work on that stuff when you're not in a ketamine therapy session and when you're just, oh, it's, you know, I just woke up and I'm meditating. Right. So, and then, sorry, the other thing I just want to say is just how how it just so relates to, like, how physical emotions are. Because it's, like, literally, 
you know, this, this medicine totally relaxes your muscles and your body to the point where, like, you're like a little blob. And then you can manage your emotions because you're physically not there. Right. To, like, clench. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely see it as a tool and a technology. Like, that was my big takeaway. Like, I've never... And I think a lot of it was, like, the set and setting and intention of the experience. But Mm -hmm. I was like, I've never felt like a drug has... I've never used a drug as a tool or a technology in the way that I felt like with the ketamine yesterday. It was just very much like, okay, I can totally see how I'm taking this not to have a good time. I'm taking this to, like, be able to process what would otherwise be quite painful. I love it. And... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, did, did you and Skylar talk at all afterward? Yeah, I mean, we saw this. And then, uh, <laughs> and then we talked uh, a little bit. But we, uh, I didn't share any of this with him. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned last night how, like, okay, it was 50 minutes. Right. Like, this stuff does not only last 50 minutes. Yeah, totally. So, like, after 50 minutes, they were like, okay, like, we're going to... You know, like, we're going to transition back. And they, like, knew that, like, you know, you weren't 50 minutes was up and, like, you're not on the academy anymore. But I'm, like, I'm fucking peeking. Like, I am. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the guys told me, like, how was it? And I was, like, it is wonderful. Like, it is still fucking happening, my dude. Like, this is not. I'm not. That wasn't an experience that I just had. Like, this is an experience that I'm still having. Also, a really funny thing happened where, like, when the music was over, whoever was playing the music on their phone, the next song had they had queued up, and it was like some punk rock song, <laughs> totally wrong vibe, which was just high comedy, which like in the wrong place could have been very you know disturbing yeah. and and really you know been disruptive. Um, in this like friendly setting where everybody was you know more or less in good spirits, like it was just hysterical. Okay. It was such it was a funny. funny faux pas. It is important to like I don't know laugh and find humor also when you're. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then, and, and also, like, the person was obviously just, like, so embarrassed. Right, and yeah. it was quickly rectified. It's just, uh, that was funny. And then, yeah, like, I mean, you know, yeah, it, it, it lasted way longer than 50 minutes. I'd say about an hour later, I was finally like, okay, I can leave here. And then even when I got back here, I was still like, yeah, I'm totally feeling it. And then um, I, you know, eventually, like, smoked some weed. And then I, then I was like, oh, maybe this is a fucking psychedelic. Because when I was lying in bed last night, oh, I was having happened? fucking, just like, in, I was just like in fucking Viking villages, <laughs> just like, what? just like seeing, I, I mean, when not. When we were awake during your dreams. No, no, sleep, like awake. And I was just lying in bed awake with my eyes closed. I was seeing crazy things that like I was kind of hoping I would see when um, you first took it. I first took it. But I also very intentionally was like, I don't, you know, I just want to have this be a straight ketamine experience to get what that is like. But one of the lessons that I have repeatedly with drugs is um marijuana is amazing and maybe should be mixed with all of the drugs that's the thing listen if you take any drug and then you smoke weed then it becomes a psych fucking hyperdrive then it becomes a psychedelic then it becomes a psychedelic experience marijuana low-key is a psychedelic unless i'm with a guide or professional at this point i'm like i've done psychedelics like in college whatever like I'm not doing them right, okay? Like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm with my friends. Like, my stupid friends. My stupid friend. <laughs> like, we're all getting in fights. Like, it's just, it's not, it's not right. I have to be in this kind of setting, and I'm so down for it. But, like, I I now have this rule. If I ever, like, for example, you know, eat a little mushroom chocolate at a concert, like, I'm not allowed to smoke weed after that. God. Like, because I know that that will not be okay for me. Right. But it's true. It's truly an accelerator. It's insane. And it's funny because I was thinking to myself, you know what? I think I would enjoy more, like, psilocybin therapy or, like, something psychedelic. Like, but same setting, same type of, like, setup. But, like, I really am into the visual aspect of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And in that way, I say totally, you know, to each their own. Um, A lot of these companies are using ketamine because it's legal. And, totally. it's a, and it's a good place to start and you Absolutely. can do and you can do the work and you know so much of it is just like making the space you know having the program and the intention and then you know being able to do the integration yeah but again like you could do all of that without the drugs like they're just a tool they definitely can like enhance the experience and make things a lot easier um but i think a lot of it is just like 
the intention, the support, like the framework, right, right. and the integration. Right. Um, I think I just love the idea of like, you know, sometimes like I take workout classes, right? Like sometimes I want to do yoga, sometimes I want to do berries, sometimes I want to do something else. Like I love the idea of being like, oh, like maybe I'll try psilocybin therapy or like right. doing class academy tasks. therapy. Yeah, class tasks. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, like, you know, doing a, a marijuana experimental, whatever. Like, you know, it's just so cool to be able to be like, you, you should be able to experiment and like see what works for you. Totally. The same way that you can go to, yes, a vinyasa or a hatha yoga right. or whatever. It's like, you know what, this weekend we're going to do like a safe, Safe, you know, guided, safe space, like professionals. Like I want people responsible for me. Right, I don't need to be responsible for myself. You can, you can, of course, you can go do yoga on a uh, what is it like a longboard and like ground. Like there's always risk. Well, yeah, of course, but like yeah, it's just like once so much of like the bad experiences, at least I've had with drugs, is like feeling out of control or not knowing what I'm feeling or understanding it right. literally is such a small difference of having that person there. Set and setting. Yeah. Set and setting. And if no, I, people. People. That's the setting. And set. setting. Set setting and dosage. And that is why. Okay, well, we're, I, wherever the people fall in, that's, I think, the most important thing. Right. I think the, one of the most revolutionary things that I ever learned was reading The Psychedelic Experience by Timothy Leary, which basically right. walks you through the psychedelic experience based on the, like, it's a manual for it, based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which is a manual for dying. And it basically says, like, the Tibetan Book of the Dead says, like, here's a manual for dying, and the psychedelic experience says, here's a manual for doing psychedelics. And it talks about, like, that anxiety, that nausea that you feel, that is your consciousness moving to parts of your body that it normally isn't in. So mm. you're becoming aware of all these parts of your body and, and it, it could give you like this sense of like sickness or anxiety it's, it's strange it's vertigo it's new it's change mm-hmm. change is uncomfortable um but just hearing that bit of information was so affirming and validating of that like bit of anxiety i get whenever i do any sort of psychedelic drug it's, it's right. like oh it's supposed you're supposed to feel that because your consciousness is, is expanding and, and it's no longer just spiraling in your mind like your your consciousness is not contrary to popular belief tethered to your brain space and like you can move your consciousness like you did into like your upper back and explore what's there emotionally Mm -hmm. you know um but anyways i also think it is worth it to say that we are not responsible for anything we say on this podcast. We are not encouraging <laughs> anyone to do any kind of psychedelics or right. drugs or medicines. It is all up to you, and we are not responsible. Thank you. That's that's it. Nor are we experts. No, we're not experts. Yeah, only everything of we said experience. could be right. could be turns out to be wrong. Yes, we are experts of our own personal experience. That's right. Um, can I read something? I was gonna say. Yeah. yeah. You? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, first off, inspired by Michelle's amazing reading at the beginning of this episode and yeah so mm-hmm. after the um the 50 minute meditation was over they were like yeah like you should you know journal write down your thoughts or whatever so you know so you can remember and like try to do the integration um so I started writing down and I was still very high as I made sure to remind myself quite frequently as I was writing this so okay. um I wrote this while on ketamine I will I will add that it says I am high. The next Buddha is a Sangha. We are all leading ourselves home. Parentheses, writing is funny. Parentheses, shapes are funny. A paragon. A paragon. <laughs> this is really happening. We are evolving and transforming. Los Angeles is where it's starting. I am high. The world had to be fucked up to be united as our true spiritual beings. What is this font? I'm still on drugs. And rugs, I'm lying on. Honest, though. I forgive myself. We are all fragile. Why was Zoe put up for adoption? That's the pain. I share to let go, to heal. This is amazing. Thank you, Wonder. 
And what does it say on the back, baby? That was my intention. Read it. It says, open my heart to give and receive love. Which is the classic intention for me when I don't know what the intention should be. It's like, what am I here to do? Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to open my heart to give and receive love. Is it weird that I think your handwriting is neater on the ketamine? No, it's not. I don't know what that handwriting is. That's I've never seen me this out. handwriting. I've never written like that in my life. So it's like very small, all caps, all caps. like block text. Let me see. And this is such an interesting experiment. It, yeah, it was so, I was like really weird. I was like, what is, that's what I said in there. I said, what is this font? Uh-huh. Because I, I, that's not my handwriting. I don't normally write like that. That's God. And God. yeah, I, you know, so it is. And I was able to get like a lot of words onto a small piece of paper. And it was an interesting, I mean, just like the physical experience of like writing and moving the pen was, was a trip because I was uh, totally. on ketamine. Right, right. I will say, you know, who wrote, who had handwriting just like this the girl who we went to the sleepover where Allie and I met oh, her, all right. her mom had the same kind of handwriting oh beautiful maybe maybe I, I was channeling her does a but it's an I think it's an architect thing or contract oh interesting thing. yeah um I felt like you were like had a, a question when I said the next Buddha is a sangha that's right, yeah. Uh, right. In what so, language? No, that part Sanskrit? I don't know. Sanskrit, usually the yeah, usually the answer. But the idea there is that like we. So one of the other big thoughts I had. I mean, I kind of was talking to this a little bit at the beginning of like mm-hmm. feeling this ecstasy that like this is happening and like there's a psychedelic revolution underway and like here we are at the very precipice of it. But I also had this thought of like that humanity had you know that like kind of all of the terrible things that, you know, happened over the last 500 years plus, you know, colonialism and, you know, and capitalism and all that crap is that like humanity had to, you know, globalization basically had to happen in order for humanity to unite. And that prior to colonialism and full globalization, like, there were humans like uniting within community and like maybe spaces larger than that but like all of humanity as a single species like couldn't unite like they were not united and the process of uniting all of humanity was very destructive and painful but here we are like we're kind of on the other side of it now you know we're we're living in the post-colonial world and like we are now fully global like the human species is united as one species and that is incredibly radical and i was just thinking that like i think all that had to fucking happen so that we could unite because now we're going to evolve as a single singular being and that like this is part of our evolution is like everything that happened kind of is bringing us up to this moment and like now our consciousness is expanding collectively and we are transforming. So I was like pretty pretty keyed into that last night. And that's really the idea of the next Buddha is a Sangha. Like, you know, the next enlightened being is not a singular person. It is the community yeah. of spiritual beings. Right, right. Uh. Yeah, he spends one week in Venice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there is absolutely something happening here. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Ah! That's what I was thinking, too. That, that is, that's what I was thinking. That's literally what you were thinking. Yeah. Thank you guys again so much. This oh, was, thank um, you. a really uh, healing experience. This is oh. this is the integration right here. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yes. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing. I didn't know it was going to happen. And I love you. You're welcome. I love, love you, too. <laughs> yeah. I love both of you. Oh. <laughs> well. And I guess I'll just read this quote that WonderMed put on their note. Perfect. Let the power of intention lead the way. From Sharon Salzbergel. Oh, Sharon Salzberg. Sharon Salzberg. No. Salzbergel. Yes. Yeah, Sal- Salzbergel. Okay. Yeah, guys, I can read. I trust that. Let the power. What did you say to me earlier this week? I don't know. What did I say? 
action without uh, intention. Oh, that's from Shauna. Shapiro. You said it to me earlier this week. Oh, well, did I? That was my book. I quoted it. Yeah, you quoted Shapiro. I don't don't remember that quote, but the quote I love is that I'm getting from Deepak all the time is attention energizes, intention transforms. Attention energizes. Uh huh. Intention transforms. Hope you have a transformative evening, everybody. Or morning. Or afternoon. Or week. Or year. Or lifetime.